Greetings, future lovers. It is Killstreak episode 46. I am Dick Gooley. Um, kind of petering out on the name Dick Gooley at this point. Forgot even why I started calling myself Dick Gooley. So maybe I'm going to go back to Eric Goslin soon. I don't know. I have to decide. But regardless, joining me here, Coed Santa Claus. Nah. How are you, sir? No, nah, I think we got to kill Coed Santa Claus too. Um, no coed santa claus fine I'm, okay well i guess let's uh be honest with each other i'm eric goslin i get joining me here yeah I, my, mr mike price how are you sir i guess i'm i'm just mike price um and it hurts to say that to hear myself say that out yeah. loud but i think i gotta be like you said we gotta be honest um yeah uh, you know i i am disappointed with how little uh little how the length of time with which co-ed santa claus lasted but well you know if you're not feeling i understand i'm just realizing in retrospect it's kind of a seasonal nickname um sure you know and we came up with it like in the days after christmas and that felt fun but now it's like rounding towards (laughs) mid-january and i just i feel like it's losing steam uh, and there's a lot of things it going like on, you know, to distract from co-ed Santa Claus. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, this is a serious time. This isn't a time for co-ed Santa Clauses to be causing mischief. Yeah, this um, this is a time for co-ed Santa Claus to bring the country together. Uh, <laughs> not divide us. Yes, this is a time for unity uh, and not uh, questioning anyone or having any consequences for anything. It's just about unity. It's time unity. for unity, not impunity. <laughs> well, it's, it, I think it is time for both, apparently. It is time for unity yeah, and absolute is. impunity from any responsibility for one's actions. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us. <laughs> you can follow us at KillstreakPod. <laughs> Weird. We it was our most popular two. episode ever. I don't know what happened. Just, yeah, it was six seconds long. Yeah, just the ratings went through the roof. Ah, Got to give the people what they want. <laughs> we are in the second week of our January Drac off. Yeah. Uh, last week, if if you don't know, we covered 1931's Dracula. Uh, today, we're going to be discussing horror of dracula as it's sometimes called or also just called dracula it's a it's uh, a, this the hammer film yeah it's a british american thing and in, in in england it was just dracula here in the u.s it's horror of dracula um, oh i didn't realize that. yeah this is from 1958 uh starring uh christopher lee and christopher Plummer. no, no. uh wait nope sorry peter is that right? peter, no, right. peter cushing yeah Peter Cushing. Yeah, Peter I don't Cushing. Know why I said Christopher Plummer. Get a little Alfred or uh, Michael Goff in there. Alfred Pennyworth from the uh, Tim Burton and Joel Schumacher Batman's. Oh um, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Part two of four in the Dracoff, and I still have. I think I still got a lot of gas in the tank. You know, gasolina, uh, <laughs> as it were. <laughs> You mean like that song? Yeah, isn't that Gasoline. Yeah, isn't that song about jizz? Um, I think. Oh, probably. I'm pretty sure it probably. is. Probably. Yeah, I remember hearing Most that. Most songs once. are. Yeah, like Superman. Remember that one? Yeah, that it used to call me Superman. That song, the Three Doors Down song. No, the train song. Um, 
<laughs> no, that uh, the rap song. Uh, which who is uh, that? Oh, uh, Super, Superman the Ho. Yeah, we don't. Whatever. Soldier Boy. Sounds Frank. real nice coming out of my mouth. Yeah, it sounded really good. Uh, <laughs> nice, dude. Nice. Um, I think that's also about uh, ejaculation. Uh, I'm not positive. It's like the uh, the name Pearl Jam, isn't that? Come. Uh, seems like it could be. Yeah. Um. Yeah. We're or the uh, what is the load the fucking Metallica album cover? The Metallica album. <laughs> <laughs> Man, what a bad move to yeah. name your potentially. I'm not saying I don't know if it's true. Yeah. But to potentially name your band after Come. <laughs> I don't think I'm t- Hi Mike's mom. I'm f- hi family. I'm frantically Wikipedia Google Googlepedia-ing. Okay. Come. Vetter said the name Pearl Jam was a reference to his great-grandmother Pearl, who was married to a Native American and had a special recipe for peyote-laced jam. However, oh. in 2006, Vetter admitted that this story was total bullshit. Uh <laughs> even though he indeed had a great-grandma named Pearl. Uh, Ament and McCready explained that Ament came up with Pearl and that the band later settled on Pearl Jam after attending in a concert by Neil Young in which he extended his songs as improvisations of 15 to 20 minutes in length. Um, so, That's even worse. Yeah, so no one will take responsibility for the jizz reference, uh, in other words. <laughs> Not like, it's like us. the summer of 69. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. We're like, I think, I think, uh, John Cougar Mellencamp has just retroactively been like, yeah, it's about sixty nine. The fun, like, you, no, you know, definitely wasn't. You know, the funniest thing about what you just said is that, like, but. there's a famous story about the singer songwriter Ryan Adams getting really upset about people requesting that song because mm. it was written and performed by oh. Brian Adams. So oh, I, it's not John Cougar. No, Mellencamp? but I love that you've extended it even a third level of mis- uh, <laughs> like misappropriating I'm a it today, man. <laughs> I said Christopher Plummer, yeah. but I meant Peter Cushing. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I've got puppy brain. We just got a new puppy here. Okay, um, and it's just a a disruption to the household in a way that I'm not. I haven't been used to. Yeah. since like my son was born, because just like oh, gotta sure always be on alert. Gotta get this puppy's energy down. Oh, so my brain's a little fried. Some tried to shit and piss on your couch earlier this week. That was funny. Yeah, he did. He's really good about. Um, he's pretty much not shitting in the house at all. Uh huh. Uh, he's had a couple pee pee mishaps, but the very night we got him, yeah. Mike, myself, and a couple other friends just did an impromptu sky. Uh, you know, Google Hangout, Hangout. <laughs> And uh, I was like, I don't know if I should because we're crate training him now. He's going nuts upstairs in his crate. I brought him down with me. He immediately tried to shit <laughs> on the on the futon I have down in my basement. Yeah, I drug. I brought him outside while like my camera was just on, and you could probably hear me be like, "No, big, no." Yeah, it was pretty then, funny. He ran around in my backyard for. a few minutes and then i brought him back in then he immediately pissed all over the futon <laughs> on camera but the best part is on that like, all right guys that, i think i gotta well, be- tap out before you tapped out you grabbed him again but you turned off the camera on the call like like they can't see this <laughs> i was like it's like wait what is happening uh, i just didn't want you guys to see me like running around my 
basement. I don't. That's all we wanted to see. That's literally I know, the thing I know. we wanted more than anything else. Um, just to watch. But he's been good. He's his crate training's great. He doesn't make a peep now when you put him in at night. Well, that's good. Um, he's a little sweetheart, but you know, mm-hmm. puppy's got a lot of energy. Yeah, I hear that. Uh, that's the word on the street. How is Elliot's crate training going? By the way, uh, he still cries when we put him in his crate. Okay. <laughs> But, you know, his kid's got to learn. Seven, he's five and a half. Like, by seven or eight. doing it every I, night yeah, for five and a half years. I think that'll go away. Am I, is, is that also, is that a faux pas? Am I not supposed to say your son's real name on the podcast? Uh, no, you can say my son's name. Okay. Name. I know some people are like that. It's like we, we use, uh, no, no, I'm not going to call out, but even like even friends of ours, I think, use fake names for their children on their podcast and stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, well, maybe that's smart of them, but. Yeah, well, I don't know. I feel like it's easy enough for to find. It probably is. Yeah. Um. Well, before we jump into this week's movie, we have an email. Uh, oh. And I wanted to read it. Uh, is about uh some topics that we touched on last week when we covered the 1931 Dracula, and okay. uh, I think it, it. So actually, I called out to one of my friends who's I consider to be much more well versed in older cinema of the early 20th century than myself uh, and wanted a a different take. And this is what uh, he had to say. So from uh, from our good friend Mitch in Milwaukee. Hello, Killstreak. I just enjoyed your podcast covering the original 1931 Dracula. And I agree it is a boring movie with the exception of Bela Lugosi's (laughs) performance. I have also seen the Spanish version and can report that it is also a deeply boring movie. (laughs) (laughs) okay cool some better choices were made in terms of production but it lacks lugosi and it's a half an hour longer than the english version it is a slow Oh no thank you yeah uh i do want to note that it was possible to make a good horror movie in 1931 there's frankenstein and one of my favorites dr Mm. jekyll and mr hyde which has some of that pre-code frankness about sexuality that you always hear about check it out thank you mitch Uh, cool yeah, so uh, confirmed, the a person who knows more about '30s movies, uh, that this was in fact a pretty boring one. Um, okay, yeah, I wondered that, um, and did a little digging after, mm-hmm. and I think that like Dracula is not one of the more highly regarded of the Universal movies. Yes, um, rightfully so, it seems. Mm-hmm. Although we ended up giving it a fuck in our final wrap up, right. I do think it's interesting to watch. Yeah. Um, and also, thank you, Mitch, for saving me the extra thirty minutes to watch the Spanish <laughs> version, version, which I will now not do. Yeah. <laughs> because I'm about to watch two more Dracula movies. Yeah, really dodged a bullet <laughs> there. Um, but yeah, I th- I mean, the other thing, Mitch and I actually talked about this a little bit offline too, and. He echoed more or less what what you and I had both had to say, which was like this really was not the it's this was not a fine moment for like cinema in terms of that transition from into sound Um, that it's like because of equipment concerns and just like a lack of experience doing it that like this was a sort of new genre, like not new, a new medium almost. And it people didn't really have it down. and. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that we got into that I kind of talked about briefly, but I, I guess we maybe should have mentioned a little bit more as a cause for this is it is it is more or less an adaptation of that stage play more so than it right. is an adaptation of the book. Um, 
And so that kind of explains to why so much of that movie is like a single location and just people coming in and out of a room and talking to each other for 40 minutes, you know? Right, right. Yeah, yeah definitely. Well, that's not the case with today's movie. No. Uh, 1958's Dracula, this, this one is essentially based on the book, although from my memory of what I know of the book, I never fully read it. Um, it takes some liberties. It does a number. Um, but yeah, it, it, it is, it is going back to that original source material. Uh, so blood and guts check. what do you think of this, this, uh, this movie? Um, first time you watched, this is the first time I'd ever seen it. Yeah. Um, yeah, same for me. And it was, uh, all right. It was, uh, it was, it was interesting. Um, I didn't hate it. Um, yeah, I didn't, it, you know, it didn't it didn't spark like a passionate love uh, or excitement in me. But uh, yeah, but it, it, I would say that, you know, a lot, not a lot, but a full like an honest half of the movies we watch. It's sort of like it can become a little bit like a, a job to get through it, you know, and mm-hmm. and then I never quite felt that way about this one. I, I more or less felt like I was enjoying watching a movie for most of the time. Yeah. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I definitely had more fun watching this one. Um I really I admired the production design. Mm-hmm. I, I I liked the look of the sets, even though they weren't super realistic. Yeah. They were like kind of interesting looking. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that they really they packed the frame in a lot of the shots of just yeah. like there's a ton of details um in the rooms. Like the shots are kind of busy in like a really kind of interesting way. I agree, yeah. Um and I like that Dracula is more of a threat in this one. He he's definitely scarier. Yeah, like, he's scarier and he's really as Dracula. Yeah, and he's famously a little bit sexy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. He's like a sexier brood not brooding, but he's he's a he's a handsome guy. He's definitely a handsome yeah, guy. Yeah. He's tall. Um yeah, he strikes mm-hmm. he definitely seems to strike a little bit more of a imposing and also complicated figure not the, to take anything away from Bella Lugosi who I still loved that performance but definitely like yeah he brings his own thing to the role we can say that much so but I do think that it suffers from my central thesis which is Dracula's are boring <laughs> <laughs> now do you care to elaborate at all on this on this idea that Dracula's are boring uh, I think the story of Dracula mm-hmm. is boring. It's it's a lot of uh traveling back and forth, traveling to Dracula's castle, yeah, meeting Dracula, being attacked by Dracula, <laughs> going back to London. Dracula comes there, right? Starts slowly draining the life force of women, Lucy and Mina, right? Yeah, uh, they're sickly. People are confused. They hunt, they find Dracula, they kill Dracula. Right. It's just, it's, there's not a, I don't know. I, I, I'm not, I like, I, I like uh, one of the movies that we have coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's an interesting, energetic take on Dracula. I, I think that I also don't really like period pieces. Okay. They're boring. <laughs> <laughs> and Dracula, by its definition, is a period piece. Right, right, right. And so period pieces and Dracula's combined. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's why I have never seen this. I'd never seen this Hammer film. Sure. Because in a lot of Hammer films, I, I haven't seen because they're all typically period pieces. A lot of them. I, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like most of them are period pieces, which yeah. is just like an instant, like a real mark against it, in my opinion, because I just get so, I don't know. I get bored. I get bored with just like watching you're, people invest you're a, walk around. You're a modern boy. <laughs> You know, you're, you're, I'm a modern boy. Yeah. I don't know. It's not what I'm, not what I'm seeking. Um, that's fair. I mean, you know, at the risk of alienating a whole group of listeners, I, I sometimes feel the same way. Uh, although I will say that like, maybe it's just a little bit more of a handicap to overcome for me. Occasionally there are plenty of period pieces that I enjoy quite a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. like, and specifically yeah, I mean, in the horror genre, um, I think some of the more modern ones, like like the Orphanage or um, the Pan's Labyrinth. I know that's not mm-hmm. a straight horror movie, but the I witch. do enjoy those. I like a war. Oh, the witch, yeah, the witch is is like kind of an exception, mm-hmm. definitely an exception. Yeah, um, it can be done, but I don't have a lot of faith sure. in like some of these like pre nineteen yeah. sixties or Ginger Snaps period pieces. Yeah, this that was a, that was a decent one. Do you get it? That was the worst of the trilogy, but <laughs> no, I meant the first one. Um, it's a period. Oh, piece. the first one, yeah, because it's in the nineties. <laughs> no, no, because it's a period. Oh, piece. Jesus Christ! You Got are it. you are slow Jesus. today, man. I'm slow today. Sorry, guys. All right, I'm a big dumb idiot. I'm gonna go ahead and take over the podcast. We're gonna host it solo for the rest of the day. Hey, what's right. up, everybody? It's Sweet. High Energy Price. He's here. He's here. He's ready to <laughs> to to take over the airwaves. It is, it is kind of funny. We we're recording this in the afternoon. Yeah, Mike, you you get a little bit of a low energy uh, vibe in the afternoons. You're you're better at night. I I mean that is also what my sleep schedule and my body would tell tell me. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, <laughs> I'm the same way too. Yeah. It gets to be like eight o'clock, and I'm like, that's when I get my energy. I don't know mm-hmm. why. I'm yeah, not, I don't know why I'm like that. Yeah, I I tend to be highest energy around nine ten p.m. Um, that's yeah. for like the whole day. And it is literally also the time when I feel like I can accomplish the most and do things the fastest. Uh, it's my curse. Yeah. Um, I'm the same way. I, I I hate it because like through the work day, I'm exhausted most of the time. And like I could, yep. I could no problem fall asleep between the hours of like 10 a.m. and <laughs> 6 p.m. Yeah. Like I could just I could just fall asleep. It's fine. Yeah. But then once I hit my, like at night, it's so hard for me to fall asleep. Oh, there's absolutely no chance I will ever fall asleep between 8 PM and midnight. Like it's almost impossible for me. Um, same no matter what my day has been like. (laughs) Uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, it all really sucks, but especially just cause it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a small complaint, but it is one of the, it is one of those things where it's like, yeah, the society is is constructed in such a way that uh, doesn't work for that kind of thing. Um, so I'm I feel a little bit marginalized if we're being honest, you know. Um, <laughs> it's really nice that this is the thing that we feel marginalized about. I guess <laughs> our lives are going pretty well. <laughs> I'm a late sleeper, and it takes a lot for me to admit that. Um, so I'm mm-hmm. just gonna. Put I am that too. Out there, yeah. Given my druthers, I would sleep till 10 o'clock at least. I mean, I am sleeping past 10 o'clock every day because I, you know, am only barely employed. Uh, but mm-hmm. <laughs> and my unemployment got cut off. That's pretty exciting. 
Um, oh Jesus! <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Did you run? Did you run out, or did you, yeah, were you victim I, to I, the? Uh, no, I ran out, and now the uh, recently passed stimulus bill, uh, which is uh, you know because the way things work has not gone into effect yet, uh, despite being passed almost two weeks ago. Um, I'm waiting for that to come through, and hopefully they'll start paying me again. Uh, we'll see. You want to throw out your Venmo or PayPal? You looking <laughs> chip? Just throw you a couple bucks. Start a Patreon. Um, yeah, starting OnlyFans. Uh, you you know that OnlyFans jokes are on the way out, right? That uh, like like too many adults are making them now. Uh, like you know, boomers and stuff. Oh yeah, no, I wasn't, but I wasn't joking. Oh. That's the difference. I was being serious. <laughs> I mean, if there's enough demand, um, I can do faceless stuff. Um, okay. Yeah, come on. All right. Tweet tweet at us, at KillstreakPod. Yeah. Let us know if you want to see Mike's hog. <laughs> just let me know what you would pay me to do. Okay, let's just let's <laughs> yeah. start there. Let's start there. Let's figure out what people want to pay for. Um, so, 1958's Dracula. This is the first time on the podcast that we have covered a Hammer film. Um, so I'm curious, Eric, what was your exposure to Hammer, uh, as a younger horror fan, if any, and what, what is that name? But I mean, I think we all knew of Hammer, even if we didn't watch a lot of Hammer movies. So what does that mean to you? You know, uh, Hammer to me is just something I had read about a lot, Uh um, but never really sought out or uh, I was never really interested in watching a Hammer film. And I don't know why that is. It's just like there's a lot of other things that I watched instead. Yeah. But I had this like mental block in my head about Hammer films. And I really, I like I said, I enjoyed watching this movie. So I am curious to seek out more and yeah. like find the best of the best and watch those. But there was just something I was just, it was something, it was always like, I'll get around to it. Right. Uh, and I never did. Yeah. So, but but I do understand its importance in in the history of horror movies for sure. But I just never was that interested. Yeah, I mean, Hammer was the center of the British horror universe, at least uh, in the late nineteen fifties and nineteen sixties. Um, and my personal relationship with it. So again, like I kind of knew of Hammer. I read a lot about horror movies when mm-hmm. I was, uh, you know, a young teen. Probably like starting when I was like 11 or 12 is I think when I really got into horror movies. And I think when I was 12 years old, I had a guitar teacher um, and I never really learned how to play guitar. And part of the reason was because he was obsessed with horror movies and so was I. So I would go to guitar lessons and then we would just sit and talk about horror movies and he wouldn't teach me shit. And then oh, like Christ. for the last 15 minutes of the session, he'd be like, okay, well, we better play some guitar. And then he'd like try to teach me <laughs> green sleeves again. And then I would go home <laughs> and it's like, at the time I thought that was kind of cool. But even then I would like, even as like a 12 year old, I was like, this guy's really jobbing my parents. <laughs> like, Yeah, seriously. <laughs> like my mom's paying for these lessons and I'm not learning anything. Like I still don't know how to play anything except, uh, you know, I can't get no satisfaction. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Ho- Hammer was like, I, I think I thought these movies were would be boring. And then, oh, to be honest, like I was probably right about at least yeah. at that age, how I would have received them. Um, exactly. Yeah. Like all the things you said, it's like 
it's a little, it's very atmospheric. It's it's period stuff. It's kind of uh, it's got that gothic vibe, but it's kind of slow moving and uh mm-hmm. yeah, man. I I think that I don't think that that fourteen year old me would have enjoyed this movie very much, but. Oh, no, I yeah. don't think so either. As a 37-year-old, I can appreciate it a little bit more, although I'll still say it didn't, like, light my hair on fire or anything. Sure. Um, yeah, it didn't knock my dick in the dirt. But, <laughs> but it, uh, I, I mean, I had fun watching it. Yeah, um, yeah I, I don't know why that is. I guess it's just because I, I had a specific kind of thing I was mm-hmm. into at the time. You know what I mean? Like, the yeah. horror movies that I liked were either, like, from the 70s or definitely from the 80s. Right. Uh, and that's just kind of the aesthetic I liked, and I wasn't that, that interested in, in Hammer. Right. Well, now things are totally different, and you and and these days you really like <laughs> movies, mostly mm. from the eighties and sometimes from the mostly 70s. from the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, the nineties, yeah. and I mean some of the nineties ones. Nineties is yeah. hit and miss, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Hammer's Hammer's interesting. We won't do a whole rundown, but it, you know, it's a company that was around. For many years, I think they started in the 30s and they didn't really hit their stride in terms of like hammer horror as they came to be known until the mid 50s. Um, And I think it was because, um, I mean, they were like a lot of production companies. You know, we talk about people like Charles Band. Uh, We haven't talked about Roger Corman much, but he was definitely, you know, on the American side of things around this same period of time, figuring out how to, I mean, not to be mean, but to a certain degree to like pump out movies in an almost assembly line fashion that would make money. Right. And Mm -hmm. realizing that the, this particular genre of horror lends itself really well to low budget productions. And there's like, I think people talk about this a lot and I'm not an expert on this at all. So I'm not going to try to talk about the how, the how or the why, but there's, I think people generally will acknowledge that there's like a very high basement for, uh, the kind of, uh, response you can get to a horror movie. It's like people there, like there is a sub demographic of film viewers that just fucking love horror movies and they'll just kind of eat up whatever comes out. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and so it's like a cheap, shitty horror movie just has can can really do better business than like a comedy, for instance, um, or even more so than like a drama. Like, there's really nothing worse than like a super low budget, super low quality drama. Like, no one wants oh, to watch worst. that. Yeah, it's the worst. Um, but a lo- but a low quality, low budget horror movie can still be fun, and there are a lot of people out there who are interested in in that kind of thing. Um, yeah, and you could sell it to other countries too. Yes, yeah. So Hammer, they they really kind of hit their stride in the mid fifties. I think their first big success was uh, was called the Quartermass, the Quartermass Experiment, um, and had a had a sequel kind of led to similar movies. Uh, they had house directors and house writers, The basically the two guys uh, who made Horror of Dracula being probably the most noteworthy of all of them. Uh, so that's mm. the director, Terrence Fisher, um, and the writer, whose name, if I remember, I think it's Freddie Sangster. Uh, Jimmy Sangster, sorry. Um, I should just have my notes in front of me instead of trying to go off the top of my head. 
And then um, at least, you know, for the for the few years before Dracula came out, uh, the biggest star that they had sort of in their stable was Peter Cushing. He was the guy uh, who uh, was sort of the acting equivalent of Fisher and Sangster. It's like so this is really kind of like this is these are the hammer all stars. Um, uh-huh. And Christopher Lee really got famous from this movie. Coming into it, he was not. Uh, he had been in he had been in the Frankenstein movies, but he uh, you know was second build to Peter Cushing, and he still was second build in this one as well. Cushing is Van Helsing is has top billing in this movie. Uh, I think eventually right. that'll kind of shift as Christopher Lee becomes Hammer's Dracula. Um, but yeah, they're I mean, and then you know over the years they're basically known for making a lot of sequels. Uh, another uh, thing we love about horror movies, something that gave birth to this very podcast. Yep, um, sure did. And uh, I want to say, let's see, I think there are seven or eight Hammer Dracula movies. Uh, again, something that should be in my notes. Wow. It's not. Um, Dracula Hammer Films, um, bum, 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 nine. <laughs> oh. Came up just short. Yeah. Uh, nine installments. Wow. Um, Christopher Lee. So appears in all but three of them as Dracula. Peter Cushing appears in six of them as Van Helsing. Um, okay. So there is not. So all nine of these movies are uh, Hammer Productions and all have at least an appearance by either Christopher Lee or Peter Cushing in one of these two roles. So, um, Dracula, the brides of Dracula, Dracula, Prince of darkness, Dracula has risen from the grave, taste the blood of Dracula, <laughs> scars of Dracula, Dracula, AD 1972, the satanic rites of Dracula and the legend of the seven golden vampires. Oh like, yeah, that's supposed to be a really good one. It's, it's a, like it's a martial I saw arts on crossover. Some list. Yeah. Holy shit, that's wild. <laughs> I also am curious about Dracula nineteen seventy two A D or whatever it is A D nineteen seventy two, because that would bring it into modern times, right? Yeah. Yes, it does. Um, yeah, that's interesting to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah the 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 last one though. Yeah, I, I had looked up some like re, some like best of mm. canon films and that that one has made a couple of the lists probably because it's wild yeah. as hell the ones that i'm um, interested in are that and also scars of dracula is i guess that one is noteworthy for being like they kind of um uh open opened up the throttle in terms of gore and violence on that one um oh cool yeah i was sort of expecting a more violent movie with this one so she like the in the opening shot on the credits you see like blood dripping yeah. on Dracula's mm-hmm. grave. Yeah. Uh and I was, and I remember I had seen clips of one of the Dracula movies. I don't know which. It's probably Scars of Dracula. Sure. Now that you say it's the more violent one whereas where there's like some gouts of blood coming out. So I was sort of expecting that with this in this one but that wasn't the case. No. But that's fine. Yeah, I mean, you you certainly notice an uptick in what they're able to do from 1931's Dracula, but definitely. But it's still very 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 tame by modern standards or even by, you know, the standards of the 70s really. Um but I think that is when that turn starts to happen. 
in terms of what's okay from a censorship perspective, which is a topic that we will touch on later in the podcast. Um, Hell yeah. But yeah, I think um, Hammer's, I mean, it's, it's funny because for me, it's like cooler as an idea than in practice, but that's also in part because I'm just not that familiar with most of their stuff. I haven't seen those Frankenstein movies. This is the first Hammer Dracula movie I've seen. I mean, I'm going through here and honestly, I'm almost embarrassed to say this. This might be the first Hammer movie I've ever seen. It might be mine too. I, I can't think of one, uh, one that I've seen that other than Dracula at this point. I would like to throw it out to our listeners mm-hmm. and you can write to us uh, at, on Twitter at killstreakpod or email killstreakpod at gmail.com. If you like Hammer movies, where should we start? What are your favorites? Yeah. Uh, are we idiots for having not watched them our whole lives, even though we host horror podcasts? <laughs> <laughs> um, just let us know because I, I, it is something I am interested, but I just, there's a lot to, there's a lot there. So I yeah. don't know where to start. Yeah. You guys might be shocked to find this out, but the bar for entry to become a horror podcast host, it's pretty low. Um, yeah. So. You can buy some microphones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's how we got away with this. Um, but it's funny because Hammer's Hammer's biggest rival uh, in England was a company called Amicus, and uh, they were around in the 60s and 70s. And the funny thing is, I've seen like a decent amount of Amicus movies, uh, but I had never seen a horror movie. They did the 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 70s Tales from the Crypt and Vault of oh, Horror. Oh yeah, okay. yeah, both of which I've seen, and they have they have a couple other yep. random ones that I've seen. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean, you know what? We're, we're Americans. We're xenophobes, right? But at least <laughs> at least we're ignoring other white English speaking people in this case. So I don't feel that guilty about it. Um, anything else? I don't know. What should we should we just get into talking so. about let's, it? Let's let's get in the recap. Yeah, let's do that. Let's uh, gather our thoughts. Okay. Gather together here today. Yeah. And uh, we're, we're going to recap this movie. I'm trying a new thing where I didn't take as many notes as normal. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think I'm trying I'm trying to still figure out, you know, 46 episodes in. Yeah. Still trying to figure out what is the appropriate amount of recap to do. Um, should it just be a synopsis that takes like 10 minutes to get mm-hmm. through? Yeah. And, and circling back to some of our favorite moments. I did it still more in like the chron- chronological order I, I have before. But I just... Uh, I just didn't go overboard. So sure. let me know what you think, guys. You know, email, tweet. Let me know the amount of recap because it's something that I just, at this point, I'm not sure yeah. uh, what our listeners want. And yeah. I want to do what you guys want me to do. I'm here to please. Onlyfans.com <laughs> slash Dick Gooley. Uh, and, <laughs> and on that note, we'll see you on the other side of this break. Uh, so this movie almost immediately separates itself from the previous Dracula in that it has camera movement, which is a welcome, a welcome, uh, addition. Yep. Uh, absolutely. So we got the credits, blood splattering on Dracula's coffin. Very red. It also has blood, which the first movie has. Does the first movie have any blood in it? No, it doesn't even have fangs. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, we have some like red ass paint blood here, which is like it looks cool, but it's also it takes me out of it a little bit. A little bit, yeah. Uh, but I do. I, it is kind of a fun, like in the aforementioned Tales from the Crypt movie. I remember a scene. Maybe mm-hmm. it's that one, or maybe it's a sequel where like someone's get 
gets chopped up with a sword who can't die. Mm. Or no, that you know they're filled with embalming fluid. Now that I think about it. Forget it. Anyway, I like the red blood. <laughs> we get some narration. John Harker is uh, on his way over to Dracula's castle. So instead of Renfield, it's more closely closer to the book now, where it's Jonathan Harker yes. spending the night at Drax's castle. A lot mm-hmm. of narration at the top too. I noticed. Um, yeah, and. This guy, his name is John Van Eisen, and he's an interesting character because I was like, I immediately I was like, I think this guy's pretty good, mm-hmm. but I don't really know him from anything. And I guess he quit acting a couple years later and became uh, a literary agent, and then eventually a movie, like a movie studio director. Really? Uh, like he he was like the head of a studio, um, but he was apparently. The literary agent for a number of years for Tennessee Williams and Arthur Miller. Holy so. shit! Interesting. Yeah, what? Quite a career. Well, that is something that I thought watching this is that uh, all of the people involved, Christopher Lee, um, uh, mm-hmm. Peter Cushing, and and this guy, they all seem very high yeah. class. You know what I mean? Like they're and maybe it's just Once me it's being it's a dumb it's... American being fooled by Brits. <laughs> but it, every... well, so Van Eisen is a Royal Shakespeare guy. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. What about Christopher? I mean, a lot of these guys are Shakespearean actors, you know, so uh, there is a, I think, a level of classiness that comes with that. It just seems like these Um, British productions are tapping into a higher quality of actor for these low budget movies because there are probably just so many theater actors who are just not doing anything and they're cheap. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, uh, definitely high quality, uh, versus, what we get over here in the state. I like the look of Dracula's castle uh, inside and Mm -hmm. outside. It looks pretty cool. So, yeah. So all of these sets are, um, this is like, I mean, it's funny. This is like hammers um, studio basically, which is a place called Bray studios. Mm -hmm. And it's like where they shot everything. Um, I was wondering, they basically just, if they just had yeah, a castle ahead. that they shoot at pretty much it's like a giant they've got a giant house that was on the thames uh it's like outside of london um like it's like just you know it's a big space so they built stages inside but it's funny cuz it it operates a lot uh it operated i should say uh much the same way that like sort of a digital media company like BuzzFeed does things today, but it's also the way that Full Moon Pictures shoots where they just have like a studio that has a bunch of sound stages in it that it's like, this is our uh, school uh, stage and this is our prison. And it's like, they're like porn studios do this too, uh-huh. where it's like they leave the same sets up and just use them for different movies. And so that's what Hammer did was they basically had four giant sound stages they had a water tank uh, and then it's it's a way to shoot really cheap because it's like there's dressing rooms built in. There's a set depot design and construction apartment. All the production offices are there. So it's just like a tiny little movie studio, basically. Um, but all of the sets like and this is the thing that you and I unfortunately don't have the context for. But I think if you go through and you watch all these hammer movies, they're all shot in the same place. Yeah, you probably recognize some um, place some some sets. Yeah. They'll switch up the set dressing and 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 like some of the set design, but uh, but it's all the same sets. So I, I thought that was pretty cool. That is cool. Um, and it 
And it actually, and it makes sense because I don't know. Did you catch what the budget was for this movie? No, I didn't look. All right. <laughs> Fucking brace yourself for this, okay? Um, so just for context, the original 1931 Dracula, uh, the universal one, had a budget of roughly $341,000, and that was 27 years earlier. And I went and I checked on the top 10 highest grossing movies, and a lot of them were big studio movies, but the year this came out, 1958, it seems like the average budget hovers somewhere between like two and $5 million for, uh, for like your regular studio film. The Horror of Dracula was made for 81,000 pounds. Wow. So real low budget. Yeah. So cheap, which is crazy because it feels pretty classy. It feels pretty well done. It looks good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They shot really well. They use uh, these are Eastman color uh, cameras. It's like uh, they look great. Mm -hmm. And I think that, I mean, if anything, if nothing else. Um, I think they deserve a lot of credit for for stretching the budget on this movie. Yeah, it seems like they do have like a their house team is just pretty talented, you know. Like, it, yeah, they, they do a mm-hmm. good job. Uh, it looks good. Yeah. So Jonathan's dropped off at Dracula's castle. Um, he walks around and it's empty. He sees a note from Dracula, being like, "Hey, sorry, uh, I missed you, but I'll be back tonight." <laughs> um. <laughs> So he makes himself at home, and then he's a he, he's approached by a real foxy vampire. I was into this vampire woman. You're a fan, okay? Yeah. Okay, nice. Um, she's like asking him for help. He's he's keeping me prisoner. Um, and Jonathan Harker's like, well, I he's hired me to be the new librarian. <laughs> he's a librarian. <laughs> yeah. Um, He's very it's he's he's weirdly hesitant to like this is not the believe women era. No, no, he's definitely. Like, he's like, well, well, he's employing me. He's so. like, eh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm gonna have to see some really firm proof before I listen to your. <laughs> I mean, we all slap women around once in a while, right? <laughs> yeah. Also, before you continue, I'm sorry. I just have to indulge my awful social anxiety about being embarrassed by saying stupid things, and like. 90 seconds ago, I referred to Eastman Color as a camera, but I meant film. film. Oh, a okay. Type of film, not a type of camera. I knew that. I misspoke. I just want everyone to know I'm not a total idiot. I'm sorry. Uh, we can move on. Thank didn't you. even register. I thought I, I, you said Eastman Kodak. I assumed you meant film. I didn't even realize you said camera. Uh, so she ends up running off, and we see standing in the doorway is Dracula. I am Dracula, and I welcome you to my house. Drac looks cool. Like I, I like Christopher Lee as Dracula. He's sexy as shit. Yeah. Tall, handsome. <laughs> Immediately went to half mass as he walked in the door. <laughs> no, I've completed. I was, I'm already at my, uh, my, you know, just uh, default is half mast. <laughs> and I, I have to get it there myself all the time. <laughs> Constantly tugging, but. It's worth it, you know, because you got to be ready, man. You got to be ready. It's worth it. It it has made the job situation a little tricky. Yeah, 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 yeah. This work from home situation has been a dream. (laughs) Just just tubing it all day long. (laughs) Just just pulling the silly putty. Um, (laughs) Jack shows Jonathan to his room. He's like, all right, well, 
I'm gonna leave it be because uh, I got something to do until sundown tomorrow. Don't look. Don't wait for me. Yeah. Um. And then Jonathan, I got confused. I sorry. Go ahead. Finish. Finish this scene, and then I I'll explain my confusion. Sure. I was gonna say Jonathan pulls out a picture of his beloved Lucy, puts it up on his dresser, yeah. and Drac is like, "Oh, who we who we got here? This is your uh your, wawa. your woman, Wawa Weewa." Yeah. He says, <laughs> uh, "Hubba hubba." Um, <laughs> and uh, okay. Sorry. What was your confusion? Oh no! Continue. I I tried. I almost jumped the gun. Uh, I had a question about the end of this scene. We're oh, not there yet. No, I'm 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 out. Oh, oh, Dracula leaves, and Jonathan's like Dracula leaves. Well, I finally have met Count Dracula. He accepts me as the librarian, but Jonathan is actually there to kill Dracula. Yeah. So this is a big divergence from the book. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's kind of like a streamlining of everything. Which I think works all right. I think it's cool. I appreciate the, yeah, especially because we have tasked ourselves with watching four Dracula movies in a row. I appreciate the things that they're doing differently. Yeah. Just because, you know, I've seen Bram Stoker's Dracula a number of times. So I know that we are going to get a very honest adaptation of the book. So I'm kind of happy to see some zigs and zags. But I got confused here because <laughs> he Dracula says basically like, uh he i feel like he more or less goes hey while i'm gone treat this castle like it's yours and then he gives him a key to the library but then he locks him in his room is that what happens oh you know i didn't notice that maybe maybe that is the case doesn't he he like he goes to check the door yeah that also happens later maybe i'm getting confused with another moment where dracula locks him yeah there's a couple mo- mo- moments where I was confused by the geography of the situation. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, the, yes, I have notes. I have notes of plenty about being geographically confused during my view. Yeah, uh, I'm sure we'll get we'll get to those. Uh, I don't want to talk about them yet just because it'll seem crazy out of context. But like, hey, well, I thought they were in. <laughs> are they, you know, actually, I do yeah. have one thing. Are they in Hungary okay. or are they in Germany? It seems like they're in Germany. It seems like they're in Germany and based on, I mean, they're definitely in Germany. Um, I think. Yeah. But it's like, yes, they keep referring to the place that they are. It's something Krausenberg, maybe. Yeah. Is something what it like is. That, yeah. Klausenberg, Klausenberg. Which I looked. Yeah. I looked up and there are like nine different towns called Klausenberg <laughs> uh, in Central Europe. Um, but most of them are in that area. And then they talk a lot about going through the border crossing at Ingolstadt, which is in Germany. I Googled that. But the thing that I couldn't tell is that Ingolstadt seems to be in the center of Germany. So it's not a border crossing between Germany and another country. Huh. But it might be like different parts of Germany. Like, and I just Was don't know this. East stuff. West Germany a thing? No, not that back then. Well, back then. No, well, I mean, certainly not in the period that this is. Yeah, that right? I said it because it would have um, been a thing. Uh, yeah, but when, when uh, but filmed, yeah, not but yeah, not in the right. Dracula times. But then it's like everybody speaks English and has a British accent. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> <There's> uh, that. <laughs> and it's like when they go back to you know in a little bit when they like go back to wherever 
Harker lived and his fiance and we meet all these other characters. I'm like, is this London? But it's, I think it's just in Germany because they end up taking a carriage ride back to Count Dracula. Yeah, really quickly. Later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So anyways, they never really resolve any of that stuff. Um, and we completely failed at our resolution not to talk about all of this right now. <laughs> we did, though. Um, what so are you going to do? Jonathan looks around the castle. That vampire woman confronts him in the library. Uh, she's like, again, a- appealing to uh, her, him to help her. And um, right. But it's a ploy. She bites his neck. And Dracula bursts through the door. Looking terrifying, his eyes are red, his bloody fangs look scary as shit. It's a it's like yeah. if if you've ever seen any image or a clip from this movie, that is it's that shot of him bursting through the door. Yeah. Um he tosses the lady to the ground, chokes out Jonathan, and then uh brings the woman back to like his chambers. Jonathan wakes up in his room. Um and he's been bit. Did you did you find all like the motivations a little confusing in this confrontation? So I thought like, about it. I, I think what happened is the vampire lady went into business for herself and was like, I'm going to uh, fight this guy and drink his blood. And then Dracula okay. was like, no, that was mine. OK, that's what I think happened. But yeah, it is like, well, uh, that it, makes sense. It is a little bit confusing as to why it's this- yeah. When you lay it out like that to me, it makes sense to me. Okay. So I accept. I accept your explanation. Uh, so you. he starts writing. I've become the victim of Dracula and the woman in his power. It may be that I am doomed to be one of them. If that is so, I can only pray that whoever finds my body will possess the knowledge to do what is necessary to release my soul. Um, so then he, he goes to where Dracula and the woman he thinks are sleeping in their coffins. He leaves his journal outside to uh, for somebody to find. He finds Dracula and the woman. He pulls out a hammer and stake, pounds that shit into the woman's chest. Dracula's eyes pop open <laughs> and she turns I have, old. I have a lot of issues. I have a lot of issues with the strategy. Yeah. Why not go for yeah. Dracula first? You mean? Yeah. 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 So this is another I was confused because all right, so he pounds a stake in, she screams, mm. Dracula wakes up, and then yeah. Jonathan goes to Dracula's coffin, it's empty, mm-hmm. and then Dracula's right. in the he sees Dracula's shadow mm-hmm. like in the door in the stairway. In staircase. the doorway into the crypt, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then Dracula comes out and he's like, Hey, gotcha. It's but like <laughs> Did Dracula leave and come back, or was Dracula in a different crypt? I don't know. That was confusing to me. I think he left and came back. I think because, like, I think the the button on the scene, which which we're about to that, like, is basically he shuts the door. Yes. On Harker, and then we fade to black. Yeah. Right, and it's like, oh, he's trapped. Exactly. Right. So I, I guess he went to go close the door, but the thing is, like, so he left the room and then came back in through the door and closed the door. And this all happens in a matter of seconds. So, again, it's confusing. And there's a lot of stuff like this in this movie where it's like, yeah, you kind of just got to let it go. Because, like, the like you mentioned geographical confusion. I would also apply that, like, in the very small scale, like the blocking of scenes yeah. and stuff. Yeah. It doesn't always make sense where people are in a room, you know? No, totally. Um so then we're in the village. Uh, Van Helsing pulls up to this pub. There's garlic hanging everywhere inside. 
We meet Van Helsing. He's looking for Jonathan. Everybody has a British accent, even though it's a German, <laughs> a German <laughs> yeah. village. Yeah. Uh, the innkeeper is uncomfortable about all the questions he's asking. And then uh, this sympathetic waitress gives him Harker's journal, which she somehow got. I right. guess she found because he hid it. Yeah, and this is okay. So I mean, I'm not. I hate. I hate it when I go into nitpicking mode. But I will just say that this kept bumping me a little bit. It's like again, the motivations are confusing because these people are not pro Dracula, right? Like they're all afraid of Dracula, but they also refuse to help Van Helsing in any way. Yeah, I feel like 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 w- their motivation is like, oh, we have a thing going here. We don't mess with Dracula. Mm-hmm. He doesn't mess right. with us. Don't upset the apple cart. All right, fine. That's just that was my thinking. But yeah, you're right. It's like why if I were them, I'd be like, yeah, let's fucking get that guy, man. He keeps biting <laughs> yeah. people, turning him into vampires. Or, right. Or just something as simple as like, hey, there's an evil vampire count that killed your friend. We don't talk about it because we're afraid of him. Right. Yeah. Uh, you should you should fuck <laughs> off. Not like we're not going to tell you anything because that's my thing. Is it like the thing that is going to cause Van Helsing to stick around and ask the most questions is being secretive and like refusing to answer any questions, you know? Yeah. Um, so Van Helsing goes to the castle. He finds Lucy's shattered photo in Harker's room, but there's no sign of anybody. He sees mm-hmm. the uh, dead lady in the coffin and in the shot they use, she's breathing. I noticed. <laughs> <laughs> did we talk about in the last scene? Did you mention how she like turned old? I did. I, I yeah, I mentioned yeah. It briefly. Yeah, I, I I missed it. I just wanted to say that I thought that was cool. It is cool. I like yeah, that. I like that. Yeah. Um, then he finds Harker in in another coffin, and he's got fangs. Then we fade to black as Van Helsing gives him the old steak aruski. <laughs> and then we're back in uh i thought it was london but it's not i guess it's another par- part of germany where uh van helsing's relaying the news of harker's death to uh arthur his future brother-in-law and uh harker's future brother harker's future brother-in-law yeah and uh lucy's yeah. brother lucy is harker's you know fiance she's sick and my wife as we were watching this brought up the point i made up last <laughs> week which is why are women always sick in these movies <laughs> like i don't know she probably just got a spook she's she got scared by something and now she's in bed for a week it is something yeah i mean i wonder is it just did we just have terrible medicine for women in this era that seems plausible to me yeah just probably. that like in the way that like the medical complex these days it like you know horrendously mistreats non-white people yes, it's like yep. back in the 1800s it was like and women too um and probably still to a certain extent today yeah um but yeah there it, it does seem like women are just always ill even if it's not a horror movie yep. it's just like anytime i think of period pieces from like the 1800s it's just like oh yeah she's in bed all day yeah she um <laughs> She had a little bit too much excitement, and she's going to be resting for the the better part of a month. She might also die from it. (laughs) Yeah, she might die from having uh, gone out too much. Uh, Like, not partying, just literally. She left the house. house. She Uh, saw some flowers. Her heart rate got too high. (laughs) 
<laughs> Another man walked past. And, yeah, now she has a, bl- a blood disease. Um, yeah. Also, Arthur, who we just met, this is the aforementioned Michael Goff, who is my Alfred uh, and will always be my Alfred. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know if I mentioned on the podcast that I rewatched the two Tim Burton Batmans a few weeks back. And that first one, man, fucking rules. It's I got to rewatch it. I haven't seen uh, it in years and years and years. It has grown. It has only grown in my estimation. Oh, it's it awesome. Yeah. It might be better than all, like, it might be the best one. Oh. I, 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 th- this is a new take for me. Uh, I think that the original Batman might be the best Batman. And I just rewatched Beetlejuice on New Year's Eve, and that mm-hmm. movie fucking rules too. I love that movie. Dude, Michael Keaton is a goddamn national treasure. Yeah. <laughs> and I forgot he doesn't even appear to the characters until like 45 yeah. minutes into that, an hour and a half long movie. Yeah. Oh man, but does he make an impact? Yeah, he does. Um, so Lucy is sick for a reason. We find out um, because as as th- those who are attending her leave, she just pops awake. She's faking it, opens the door, mm-hmm. removes the cross around her neck, lays back down, and we see that she's already been bit by Dracula. So yeah. that was also confusing. Like, how did Dracula get to her? It sort of gets clarified, but I was in the moment confused. They're not holding your hand through anything. No, else. they're not. They're not. Um, so Van Helsing's in his office, like listening to some recording about vampires. I assume he made, and he adds to about how he adds to the recording about how they're like drug addicts. They're like the people who become vampires. They're ashamed, but they can't stop it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dracula. Yeah, I found that interesting. Yeah, I thought that was cool. Was in. Yeah. He also mentioned that Dracula has disappeared. And he must be found and destroyed. Now, there's something that comes up later, and I wonder if I just missed it in the moment. Because he says that Mm -hmm. at some point, he's like, I saw a hearse leaving. And that must have been Dracula's hearse with his grave in it, or his coffin in it. Oh, yeah, because we see it. But it's like a carriage hearse. Yes, we see it for like three seconds. And it's like tear assing around a corner. Okay. And his like stupid little dainty white looking white white coffin is in the back. Oh, I didn't even know. I must Um, have been looking down or something. Yeah. I will say that Dracula's coffin is the least intimidating vampire coffin I've ever seen in a movie. It's like what they would bury like a 12 year old girl in. (laughs) Yeah. That or it looks like if, you know, the coffin you would give to like specifically like rhinestone vegas elvis <laughs> but if he was the size of a 12 year old yeah yeah uh <laughs> yeah it's really it's just, it's like white and tiny it's tiny there's no yeah. way dracula could fit in that he's huge <laughs> yeah um so then dracula's in lucy's room looking fuckable as hell it covers her as with a cape as he goes down to her second yeah yeah I almost said goes down on her, but I used that joke last time. It's barely a joke. Yeah. It's not a joke. (laughs) Um, Sorry, I almost completed again. I have to uh, (laughs) rate things. It's risky, though. Dracula can't really go down on a woman or a man. (laughs) Got those fangs. We don't need to get into the ins and outs of this. He's got those fangs. Yeah, you're right. You're right. When you're right, you're I just, right. It, it, it's you know he could be careful, but you know there's only so you mm-hmm. can only be so careful. 
You can only be so careful. And everybody knows a wolf can't go down on another wolf because of their fangs. So, so Yeah, everybody knows that. Everybody the wolf man knows that. has the same problem because of this widely circulated trivia fact. <laughs> that was a, I saw that in a movie theater before the movie. Fun fact. A wolf can't go down on another wolf because of fangs. <laughs> And now here's right. Maria Menunos with <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah. Uh did you know Maria Menunos in college? She was or was she before your time? She was before me, but I knew Shira Lazar, who's on all the fucking uh she's on like a bunch of gas station TV. Oh, I don't know if I know her. Uh, yeah, I just yeah, thought, was, uh, I think I think Maria Menunos was at Emerson. I think my mm-hmm. freshman year, and then she graduated. But yeah, I didn't know her. Oh, wow. I didn't. I didn't know she was that young. Um, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I thought she was like ten years older than us. Yeah, Shira was. Shira is like a Canadian television personality. She shows up on the you know the little TVs and the gas pumps and mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, yeah. She like ho- hosts some sort of knockoff Entertainment Tonight thing. I just remember her as being Dan Levy's girlfriend. Uh, but not the cool Dan Levy that everyone likes now, who's Eugene Levy's oh, yeah, Dan yeah. Levy. Right. But Dan Levy, the sort of uh poor man's Dane Cook comic from <laughs> from the aughts and two thousand tens. He's a nice enough guy. Uh, but uh yeah, his style of comedy not really for me. Now so. this was big. Did you know this is big for me personally? Uh I knew the the daughter of the guy who plays Roger in Dawn of the Dead. She went to Emerson. Her name is Zoe uh, Steiner. I I forget her last name. But she was great. I I think maybe one time I admitted that I thought her dad was really cool. (laughs) (laughs) Was it really awkward? Uh, No, she was cool about it. I mean, I I can imagine like that level of fame. Like He didn't really do much else. He did another George Romero movie. Yeah. So she's probably like pumped. I would imagine. I don't want to speak for her. That she's probably pumped when sure. she sees. Uh, yeah, I, I I always feel that way about celebrities who aren't too famous. Like I remember, <laughs> this is embarrassing. I guess not that embarrassing. Uh, I really loved when I was in middle school and high school the TV show Due South. Um, I don't remember that. Which so it was like a Canadian Mountie and a Chicago police detective oh, yeah, working okay. together. <laughs> It was a Paul Haggis show. It was literally oh, created by Paul Haggis before he went on to do Crash and and whatever the fuck. I forget what else that guy ever did. I think Million Dollar Baby. I thought it was a great... Uh, yeah, you're right. I think he did do that. But I thought it was a great show. And one of the two stars of the first couple seasons is this guy named David Marciano, who was just like a working TV actor. And that was like the biggest gig he ever had. And I was in a Ralph's once in like 2009 and going through produce. And I just and I and I realized he was right next to me. (laughs) And I have usually a personal philosophy of like, I don't say anything to celebrities because I feel like this is potentially could be awkward and I don't want to like be an imposition. But I like in that moment, I was just like, I don't think anybody ever goes up to David Marciano and it's like, hey, man, like, you know, and if it does happen, it must happen so rarely. Yeah. And so I just turned to him. And I was like, hey, man, I just want you to know, I really love uh, I love to do South. And he's like, he like looked very surprised and he was like, cool. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. 
And I was like, yeah, you got it. And then I walked away, which makes me a great person. That's what I, anytime I've ever said anything to a celebrity, I always preface mm-hmm. it like, don't want to bother you. Big fan of this yep. thing. That's it. And, and I leave. Right. Um, yep. I did the same. I did that too. Uh, equally obscure. I, I was really into the show, The Shield. Um, I've actually been meaning to rewatch it, see if it holds up. I suspect it doesn't sure. as much as when I first watched it, <laughs> when it was on the air. Yeah. And I saw creator Sean Ryan in line at like a comedy show with his wife, who <laughs> plays the character on the show. Didn't even say hi to uh-huh. her. I just I approached him like, "Hey, don't want to bother you. Just wanted to let you know, I'm a big, huge fan of the Shield." And he was like floored that I that I like. Wow. It's like, wow. Oh, thanks, man. Thank you. And, and like was really appreciative because how often do show creators get recognition? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Hey, you want to hear something fucking crazy Mm -hmm. that ties this all together? I was on David Marciano's IMDb page just being like, hey, what else has that guy been up to? And I saw that he was on Bosch and I was like, oh yeah, he was on Bosch. He was also on 42 episodes of The Shield. Really? Let me look him up. uh, Steve Billings. As who? Steve Billings is the name of his character. Billings. David Marciano? Yeah, that's his name. This is a fun diversion. Hey, you know, we're going to be talking about hey. five Dracula movies. How the fuck do you spell Marciano? <laughs> uh, like Rocky Marciano? M-A-R-C-I-A-N-O? C-I-A, okay. Oh, yeah, okay, this guy. Yeah, I know him. Yep. Yeah, that's the guy I saw at Ralph's. Awesome. He looks like thin Steven Tobolowski. A little bit, yeah. A little more uh, Italian. Not that Tobolowski's a big guy, just thinner. Uh, Anyway. Tobolowski's got more, he's got a bigger nose. He's got more face. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I love Steven Tobolowski. He's got a lot of face stuff happening. (laughs) He's got a lot of face stuff happening. Anyway. Van Helsing checks out Lucy, finds the the, uh, vampire bite, so he knows what the fuck's up. Mm-hmm. Uh, later, Lucy's thrashing in bed. She has her servant Gerda remove the garlic that they've hung up there. Uh, it's a really unflattering name. <laughs> yeah, I know, it really is. And then uh, I think Dracula Gerda. comes back to drain her of some more blood because the next morning she's dead. There's nothing I could do to save her. Um, and then the niece, I think it's a niece, a little girl named Talia, who's around a bit. Is telling yeah. the crew, but I was like, uh, I went for a walk and I saw Lucy and we went for a walk together and then someone came up and took her off. So she witnessed some similar yeah. to the first movie. Something interesting happened and we didn't see it. Right. <laughs> we didn't see it. Yeah. Yeah. This little girl. This is Arthur and Mina's daughter, right? Is yeah. That, I think it's it's, it's, it's a Lucy, Lucy's her niece. Aunt. Yeah. Got um, it. Okay. Cool. And there's a funny moment where she's crying at the beginning of the scene, mm-hmm. and they're like, "You don't want Mister Holmwood to think you're a crybaby, do you?" Because like, <laughs> everybody's so repressed, yeah. a child can't cry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I also I did think it was interesting that like one of the other changes that they made from the book, uh, and even from like the thirty one Dracula, is they kind of switched up the vibes with Lucy and Mina. Where it's mm-hmm. like, yes, his like from like, like Lucy is supposed to be like, you know, Harker's right uh, fiance. Mm-hmm. Right. But Mina's like the single one who's sort of like hoed up, you know? And it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She's I'd fuck that. She's like up. real flirty and has. 
Yeah, absolutely. She's like, she's got all the different suitors and stuff. And in this one, it's like she's married. She has a daughter. Spoiler, she makes it to the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, so they definitely like switch some things up. And again, I'll just say, uh, as someone who has to watch all these Dracula movies in a row, I appreciate it. Yeah, me too. Uh, yeah, Me too. Um, Arthur is like poking around. He finds Lucy's empty grave. Talia's wandering through the woods. And uh, I heard you call me, Arthur Lucy. Lucy's there looking creepy and ghostly. Leads her off into the woods to play. Uh, I thought that scene, this scene in the woods looked cool. Yeah. Uh, then Arthur catches what's happening. And suddenly Van Helsing's there. He pulls a crucifix on Lucy and touches it to her skin, her forehead. And it burns, leaves a burn mark. Yeah, these... These cross burns all look good. Yeah, they're cool. They did a really good job with like the burn makeup and stuff. And it's like, you know, for a movie that can't be that violent much, it is, it does feel pretty visceral. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a cool like sound effect. Yeah. Uh, so Van Helsing has it all figured out that Dracula attacked Lucy because Jonathan killed his vampire woman in the castle. And she needs a new one. Yeah, right? he needs a new one. And then so. I wrote at this point, I wrote, this is a good assignment movie, which is to say, I wouldn't have watched it if it weren't an assignment. Sure. And then it made me watch the whole thing, pay attention closely. And I did ultimately enjoy it. But yeah, it's, it's like, it isn't one that I would have come to. Um, So Van Helsing pounds a stake through Lucy's perky ass titties. (laughs) She screams and dies. (laughs) Sorry, gotta I gotta get make sure Mike's awake here. <laughs> now he's fully awake. If you know what I mean, I can see him. Uh, Arthur I've and Van Helsing are in the parlor. Parlor. <laughs> They're on the app parlor. Yeah, that's right. plotting it's the to only place the we government. can actually speak freely now. <laughs> First Amendment. Uh, there's a funny my First Amendment laws. <laughs> To do anything I want to at any time. <laughs> yeah. Without repercussions or oh, Jesus yeah. Christ. Anyway, there's a funny line where Arthur's like, I thought vampires could change themselves into bats and wolves. And Van Helsing's like, that's a common fallacy. Which I thought was like throwing a yeah. little bit of shade at, at the 1931 mm-hmm. version. Yeah, and I read that I read that, that was a deliberate choice in the script that they wanted to like make it feel more realistic. It's a good choice. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure it had nothing to do with the eighty thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, they powered through in the first one, and those fucking bats look awful. <laughs> they, they bit off more than they could chew. Yeah, it's like, yeah, maybe just take that out of the script. <laughs> and this is where Van Helsing talks about how he saw Dracula's hearse. Uh, and then so they're they're trying to track down the path that Dracula's coffin may went. So they go mm-hmm. to the border crossing at that town i didn't write down ingle ingolstadt yeah and they um interview sure, a coffee a coughing man in a nightcap a literal nightcap about it <laughs> i love that little nightcap <laughs> oh no maybe he doesn't have the would nightcap you, on I, yeah he does later i would like a nightgown and a nightcap I'd i would like, like, like a nightgown yeah i wonder what the purpose yeah. of the cap is i guess maybe it's just it it's been cold in those times um uh i'm i'm googling it why do why do people wear nightcaps <laughs> okay a soft cloth cap worn in bed uh yeah they're similar to winter beanies worn in cold climates uh 
Yeah, before central heating was available. Yeah, you just you'd be cold in bed, and you you don't pull the blanket over your face because then you feel like you're suffocating. So mm-hmm. you wear a little hat. Yeah. Um, I'd be too hot. I even even in the dead of winter, I'm yeah. just an an underwear only man. If you guys must know, yeah, I sleep in underwear only. Not me. Oh, it's getting that ass all over the sheets. <laughs> That's right. I use a baby wipe before I get in bed. (laughs) For some reason, that makes it grosser. (laughs) It's not really true. I just uh, stay clean by a shower on a regular basis. (laughs) But yeah, that was gross. (laughs) I clean up my little tissue before I get in bed. What? (laughs) Mina goes looking for Arthur in a graveyard and Dracula opens up a coffin. So he's going to. Be doing some business, I guess. I stopped paying close attention at this point. <laughs> the oh, next morning, man. Van Helsing and Arthur are looking for Mina, and uh, she's all bundled up with like this big fur collar that's uh, covering up her neck because she obviously got bit. And they're like, "Yeah, she's fooling nobody." Yeah, Nina, you look pale. It's like, no, she doesn't actually. <laughs> she's like heavily made up. She has rosy cheeks. <laughs> yeah. Um, then Arthur and Van Helsing go to the undertaker, I guess yeah. he's doing some real broad mm-hmm. comedy, uh, interesting choice in the end of a movie where yeah. like, we got like 15 <laughs> minutes left and we get like, Oh, finally give some co- comedic relief. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dracula's coffin of course is missing, but we know where it is. Meanwhile, Arthur Van Helsing and Mina, uh, are in the parlor trying to figure out where Dracula's coffin is. And they pinpoint this neglected graveyard somehow. I don't know why. Arthur, as a test, gives Mina a crucifix to hold. And it burns her skin and she passes out. Um, and then, yeah. so they're like, all right, let's seal up Mina in this house. We'll watch over her. Let Basically let Dracula come to them. Um, right. Arthur patrols the grounds. Drac appears in the house with Mina and backs her onto the bed. And it's real sexy. This is a yeah. This is the sexiest. I think this is the sexiest Dracula moment. In yeah, because she's not scared. She, I mean, she's like scared, but she also is like into it. Yeah, yeah. You can uh, tell. You can tell that. I re- I read an interesting note about this in the previous scene after when Mina comes home uh, with her, because we're talking about sexiness, you know, with her collar up, like you were mentioning, the direction that she got from Terrence Fisher was basically you should play this like you were just out all night for during like essentially like the most transformational sexual experience you've ever had. Whoa. Like like that's how you should play it. Like basically you just got fucked better than you've ever been fucked in your whole life. <laughs> <laughs> it's just really cuck the shit out of Arthur. <laughs> yeah. Arthur finds Mina in bed. They give her a blood transfusion to uh, get that vampire blood out of her. And then Gerda, Gerda lets it slip to them that like Mina forbade them from going into the cellar. And so Mm. Van Helsing figures out, well, that's where Dracula's coffin is. Only he's not in his coffin when he goes down because you can't fit in that goddamn little coffin. Yeah, it's too fucking small. Uh, yeah, this is like a fun little light bulb moment. And it's, I, I, I actually enjoyed it. I was like, it feels like a little bit of, 
I, I think they could have ramped up the suspense a little bit more, mm-hmm. but as kind of a precursor to like, you know, when a stranger called like that call is coming from inside the house vibes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, thought, I thought it was cool. It was cool. Like them realizing that, like, oh, that's how he got into the house. He's already in the house. Yeah, it's cool. I like it. Um, yeah. There's some you know, Van Dracula locks Van Helsing in the basement. He gets out. Gerda is absolutely hysterical. And a fucking Van Helsing <laughs> slaps her to calm her down. <laughs> I had a question about this. Yeah. Ch- chicken and the egg. Is, is this shit in movies? Because back in the old days, people were constantly slapping the shit out of women. I don't know. Or is this like, is this a movie conceit that probably unfortunately led to a lot of women being slapped when they got uh, visibly upset? I Either don't way, know. it's I, probably I'm bad. I'm very but. curious about it, too. It seems like it would be the most uncalming thing you could do to a person. <laughs> Imagine yes. if you're fucking freaking out and somebody slaps you across the face. <laughs> yeah. My re- I mean, I know my response would be immediate retaliatory violence. Yeah. Like that's 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 the problem I have. Now I'm not I'm not a woman. Uh I'm not Mina in this case or Gerda. But yeah, if if I'm freaking out and somebody slapped the shit out of me, I would punch them in the face like immediately. Yeah. Um, and then I, it would probably be bad. Everything would be bad. So right, anyway. she relays that Dracula took Mina and they went back to his castle. Um, Along the way, the, Arthur and Van Helsing race to Dracula's castle, which is pretty close. Apparently, um, they find a dead yeah. coach driver. They, mm-hmm. Yeah, they can get there at night via coach. So, uh, you know, I tried to start doing the math and then I gave up because it seemed very exhausting. What's the average like, horse speed? Yeah. <laughs> We're talking uh we're talking like under 100 miles for sure and probably significantly less than that. Um the, we we see that coughing border guard again with the sleeping cap. He's like pissed <laughs> off because he, he Dracula I guess it crashed through the uh the gate and so he just fixed mm-hmm. it and then Van Helsing and Arthur also crashed through it. <laughs> yeah. Again, weirdly weirdly misplaced uh, comic relief. Yeah. Uh, Dracula tosses Mina into the grave as the sun rises. Our heroes arrive. Dracula runs into the castle. Van Helsing chases him. Uh, they fight back and forth. Dracula's going to bite Van Helsing's neck, but Van Helsing throws him off. And then he notices the sun shining through the blinds. He pulls them down. Dracula starts to burn, like I think his feet or his hand. And Van Helsing makes an impromptu cross out of like a candelabra or something. Yeah, he grabs two candlesticks um, and starts forcing Dracula back towards the yeah, light. Yeah, back into the sun. This, this uh, some really cool effects here. There is, I yeah, because Dracula starts to burn. He burns up into the sun. I, I wrote, it looks like is, his burned face, this isn't right, but. Since mm-hmm. I just watched Beetlejuice, it almost looks like the shrunken head in Beetlejuice, but it is it looks mm. like something else that I can't place. Like that it has just like some mummification, maybe. Maybe, something yeah. Like it was like, it has like glowing red eyes. Mm. It's pretty cool. Yeah. The the thing that got to me the most is when his hand is in the light. Yes. And they do like a whole like disintegrated hand thing that like comes apart and it's fucking like it looks gnarly. It looks really good. Yeah, it looks cool. Um and that's no. the end. We got a, a body count of a vampire woman, Jonathan Harker, Lucy, the coach driver, and then finally Dracula. Um, mm-hmm. So we here on Killstreak 
like to talk about some moments that maybe didn't age very well. Uh, this is a movie that's over fifty year, over sixty years old. Um, of course, there are some you know things that don't really <laughs> hit a modern ear, or you know, uh, uh, yeah, or hit a literal woman, which is mine. <laughs> the, <laughs> the slapping of Gerda definitely was. I think we can probably, yeah, I think we can share that one. I don't yeah. think there's anything else in this movie that quite reaches the heights of <laughs> just slapping the shit out of an understandably upset woman. Uh huh. Uh, so we also like to sing, uh, single out the best death in the movie. Ah, this is another hard one, man. Like these, t- the two Dracula movies, not yeah. a lot of good kills. No. You have one? Um, Do you have an idea? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I feel like, okay, I'm going to go with my second choice. I'm going to, I do think that the staking, I want to, I'm trying to remember if it was the staking of the bride in the beginning or Lucy, but one of them, we get a little bit of like a blood splash. I think if I think if my memory vampire woman. Me. Yeah. There's like, we get to see a little blood movement. I think and so. For a movie like this, pretty, pretty risky, risque stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I mean, at least we get to see on-screen staking. It's not super violent, but it's like tracking the progression of the violence in this movie is, I think is going to be an interesting thing to keep an eye on. So I'm going to mark that, uh, one, because, you know, uh, there aren't a lot of good options, like you said. And two, it would be an interesting thing to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess for me, then it is, it, I'll say Dracula burning up in the light. Looks yeah. cool. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. it's cool. I liked it. Okay, so we also like to rate how scary these movies are, and we do so on our patented Carpenter scale. We haven't decided yet, are we going to change up the Carpenter scale, or are we going to leave it? <laughs> what do you think? Should we stick with the Carpenter scale through Dracoff, or uh, should we yeah. change it now? Let's keep the scale through the month okay. of January. Sure. And maybe if our famously... Uh, very busy uh interactive audience wants to weigh in uh <laughs> we could take we could take some suggestions or perhaps even have a vote on which director we could replace our beloved John Carpenter with uh cuz i kind of like the idea of of doing this yearly um, yeah i do too I think that could be kind of fun yeah uh, because there there are diminishing returns, certainly, and that's no indictment of John Carpenter, the director. No. So much as just, you know, we've used we've used all these entries a number of times. So I think I think let's send off the Carpenter scale for now in this drac off month. And then come February we can uh inaugurate a new director. How's that sound? I love it. Uh right. so this movie is definitely scarier than the nineteen thirty one version. Uh, which we mm. gave a John Carpenter's Vampires because why the fuck not? <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so I'm looking at I'm looking at uh, Carpenter's uh, filmography. Yeah. I'm hovering. I keep coming back to Village of the Damned or uh-huh. In the Mouth of Madness. I don't think this is as scary as In the Mouth. Of I Madness. don't think it is either. Do you have an you have an alternate pitch other than? village of the damned because that's what that's kind of where i'm getting stuck around i'm i think if i was going to pick something else it would be of a similar level of scariness okay. to village of the damned so i think i'll just uh, endorse that 
selection. I think I think that that is pretty accurate. I think that's about how scary this movie is. There you have it, guys. We give this a village of the damned on the Carpenter scale. And then finally here on Killstreak, we have a system of how we like to rate these movies. And that, of course, is Mary fuck kill you guys know how that's played mm-hmm. um i think i'll go first if you don't mind no this I movie don't mind i think was a, a a definite improvement over the last one um i know mm-hmm. that, i know we're not really like rating these movies against each other yet um but i do think that is something to keep in mind uh i don't sure. know that though that i will be throwing on horror of dracula every Halloween time, which is usually kind of my criterion (laughs) of like, is this one I'm going to be putting on yearly or every other year or so? So I can't go as far as a Mary, but I will definitely give this a fuck. And it's a a higher fuck than I gave the last Dracula. What say you? (laughs) It's a, it's a more animated fuck. Yeah. I'm more passionate about this one. (laughs) Um, yeah, I feel pretty similarly. I think, um, this was uh, a little faster moving, a little more interesting. I think it looks great. I love, yeah. I love the film stock. I love the color. Like the color of this movie is impressive. Like it really, like it felt good. It felt good to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Christopher Lee. I like Peter Cushing. I think everybody's everybody's a good job. It's not amazing, you know, uh, but I, I understand why this was popular and spawned a franchise. Yeah. And, um, I agree with you. I'm not going to watch it again anytime soon. Um, no, maybe, ever, maybe ever. I don't know, but I am sort of interested to watch one or two of the sequels. That's what I was going to so say. I think I, that's a, I think that's yeah. the highest praise I can give this movie is it made me interested in watching more of the Dracula movies and more hammer movies. Yeah, yeah. So for those for that variety of reasons, I will give this a firm fuck. Firm one. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break, and we got a final segment that we cooked up specially for this movie, and I'm excited about it. Okay, folks. So we had a plan um, for a final segment uh, that we ended up scrapping, but I do think there's a few things here I wanted to talk about. Um. I was going to call it Please Hammer Don't Hurt Him. <laughs> oh, um, that's such a great title. Oh man, that almost yeah. makes me wish we hadn't we hadn't booted this. Had I known. <laughs> <laughs> but uh essentially what we were going to do was a version of the colon exam, but instead of <clears throat> colons, you know, coming up with names for sequels, fake names for sequels, uh it would be a real canon movie. Uh, sorry, canon movie, a real hammer movie, and then a fake hammer movie that we made. But then after writing them, we both kind of separately came to the conclusion that like we know so little about hammer movies and they're not really tied to anything. So it was just essentially like both of the names were mm-hmm. equal in our minds. Yeah. And they weren't yeah. funny enough to actually like obviously if it's like super funny, we would have known which one's a fake. But I do want to read the fake Hammer movies that I came up with, which is The Madness of Dr. Carruthers, (laughs) Devil's Business, and The Ghouls of Yarby. The Ghouls of Yarby. This sounds like something I got. The Ghouls of Yarby is good. Yeah. Um. (laughs) 
Um, but it, so instead of that, we are going to do another segment that Mike came up with. Uh, I don't know if that has a name. Does it have a name, Mike? Um, <laughs> wait, hold on. We can do it. We can come up with a good one right now. Um, okay. So, um, what's that dumb rating? Mm-hmm. What's that song? Wasn't there a song about the BBC from the Austin Powers movie? This isn't it like it's like Mike Myers and Matthew Sweet in like a fake band from Austin Powers. BBC Austin Powers. Ming T. Uh, it's just called Ming T. BBC. No, the name of the song is BBC. All right. Ming T. Yeah. All right. How about we could call it BB fucking C. Like, okay. Yeah. That, I like that. BB fucking C. Yeah. Because it's. Like it. All right, so here's this is the premise is that uh in the US we have the MPAA uh as the governing ratings board for major film releases, right? In England, they have a counterpart called the BBFC, which stands for the British Board of Film Classification. It's been around since 1912. Uh and they rate films and videos and pretty much all that stuff just like we do here. The big difference is Famously in the U.S., the MPAA has a real can have a kind of a black box sort of process where you just yeah. send them a movie and they give it a rating and then they send it back to you. And then you got to cut stuff out and send it back and you go back and forth and back and forth until you finally get the rating that you need to get. And for a lot of horror movies, that's the difference between being like unrated, rated X or NC-17 versus getting an R rating, you know. So in the U.K., they do a similar process, but every time they rate a movie, they do a, a super transparent report that essentially requests specific cuts. Uh, and it also has like written explanations that kind of border on like reviews. And it's very interesting. Yeah. Um, and the reason I got turned on to this was because I was, you know, looking up uh, more about horror of Dracula um, and digging through some of the information that was available there. Uh, and, you know, we talked about what was allowed in, in the 1931 Dracula, which was the sort of pre-code stuff versus what was allowed uh, in this one, which actually, you know, not to go off on too much of a tangent, but reminds me, Mitch from Milwaukee, who emailed us, also sent me a follow up email talking about censorship of the original Dracula. And apparently in Massachusetts, they required uh, censoring of the insect coming out of a tiny coffin scene. Really? <laughs> yes. Wow. <laughs> that is just too scary a for li- this mass holes. Yeah, really. A little bit too much, uh, which I think is f- absolutely fucking ridiculous. Um <laughs> But yeah, so to get back to my original point, um, every time the BBFC would would rate one of these movies, they do a detailed explanation uh, of not only what they wanted cut, but why. And they'd also kind of like make a commentary on it. And I found these really, really interesting. And so I thought for this segment, what we could do is Eric and I are going to kind of read some blind uh review rundowns from the BBFC and try to guess which movie is being described, right? Yeah. 
Uh, did you want to add anything? So to we that? sort of, yeah, I say we sort of approached this a little bit differently. Yeah. Uh, when it was pitched, um, and I I had made my choices, and what I did was go off of the BBC BBFC website. You can just look up movies, and it shows why it got the rating it got. And then Mike's approach is more of like these old PDF documents that have specific cut suggestions and, and they have that. a little bit more of that commentary i think i was talking about yeah um yeah so i can give an example here um so and this comes from the bbfc's comments on the horror of dracula or for them just dracula um so they say in regards to the rating that dracula received that it will be classified at 12a for cinema re-release um, which means that you must be 12 or older to see the film. And they say, okay. um, BBFC guidelines state that violence must not dwell on detail. There should be no emphasis on injuries or blood. Sustained moderate threat and menace are permitted. Although the film contains some sight of blood, most notably when a vampire is killed using a stake, there's no emphasis upon blood and injuries. Furthermore, although the film is atmospheric and generates some sense of threat, this is moderate in nature and distanced by the period setting and by the familiarity of the story. So this is like what I mean is that they're actually like giving full uh, explanations for why they gave these specific ratings, which I thought was just a really refreshing uh, alternative to the U.S. way of handling this sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, so should we jump into our BB fucking C segment? Would you like to kick it off, Eric? Yeah, okay. I'll go first. Um so this film has a 15 rating. Mm. So I think that means people under 15 not permitted or not recommended for. Um and one of the reasons is language. There is frequent use of strong language, the word fuck. Mm. And also because of threat, the threats, threatening nature of it. Strong threat occurs throughout, including scenes implying supernatural occurrences. In one scene, a character discovers bloody human entrails wrapped in a missing character's clothes. This strike any memories in the old price brain. Oh, can you read the um the before the entrails that part of the uh, excerpt one more time? Strong threat occurs throughout, including mm. scenes implying supernatural occurrences. Oh, okay. And I would say I'd maybe disagree that it was human entrails wrapped oh. in a character's clothes. I mean, the only thing that I can remember that this reminds me of is I want to say. Is this from one of the Blair Witch movies? Mr. Mike Price, you are correct. This is from 1999's The Blair Witch. Wow. Okay. Woof. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, testing my own memory of our conversations our with podcast. each other. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> well, as you, uh, as you have stated in the past, Mike Price will remember this, so... Um. <laughs> oh, re real quick before we get to yours, uh -huh. this one I I'm not using this one, but um, oh wait, what the hell happened? Okay, anyway, <laughs> I'm not using this one, 
but uh, for the fly, it's rated PG, which seems absurd. That is crazy. And <laughs> yeah, and it's and the only thing is there are scenes of moderate sex in which we see a man's back and buttocks, as it is implied he is thrusting into a woman. <laughs> That's it. There's nothing about like his body melting and like getting shot with a shotgun. Jesus that was Christ. insanity to me. Oh, yeah. Um, that's super fucked up. <laughs> okay. Um, here's my first one for you, Eric. And we both decided beforehand that if if one of us is truly stumped, then as a as a clue, we can request the year of release um mm-hmm. before we just give it all away. All right. So this is a film that did receive an X rating, but this was before the BBFC introduced uh, the 18 rating. Uh, so it should be clear that at this point in time, an X was something more akin to just a very firm R. Uh, it did not denote pornography so much as it was just like, it is for adults only, um, mm-hmm. that children should not see this movie. So I think it, this is something... That is more akin to an American R than an, like an NC-17 or the traditional X. Okay. Okay. So the reviewer says uh, about this film um, that I feel uneasy at passing for 14-year-olds a film which uses sexual imagery in a horror context. The images are not always explicit, but run like a dark undercurrent throughout suggesting a powerful, threatening, unnamed force. Occasionally, the image is explicit. Uh, and then uh, I'm removing some revealing details here, but the author, the author does mention glistening, pulsating membranes as one of the offending explicit images. And then finally, they close their review by saying, I don't want to flash ideas like this to teenagers who might not have come to terms with the normal sexual functions. The early teens are a troublesome time with physical changes, making terrific demands on emotional stability. And I don't myself want to pass this for age groups, which might be disturbed in a non-specific way. Wow. Okay. There's pulsating membranes. Glistening pulsating like membranes. A- Sounds Cronenberg-esque. Okay. Uh, but it's it's probably not. Um, it's teen. Something that has to do with like a puberty horror movie, basically, it sounds like to me. Man. Can I get a year? You can. Is that is that too much? No, that's, that's okay. the clue. So the year of release is 1979. Oh, and I'll I'll read this line one more time. The images are not always explicit, but run like a dark undercurrent throughout, suggesting a powerful, threatening, unnamed force. Oh, my God. 1979. This is my sweet spot. Shit. So, Uh, So we have... The, no sexual no, undercurrents uh, in a horror context glistening pulsating membranes is in 1979 not, no society is an 80s movie uh, um 
teen sex. Man, I am stumped. I'm embarrassed. I'm stumped. All right. I I will reveal the answer if you don't want to look to to wager a guess. Um so I will read I will read the unabridged version of that sentence that I edited. It says occasionally okay. the image is explicit as when the leathery egg opens up to reveal glistening pulsating membrane which erupts into the squid-like creature. Oh, is it it's alien? It is alien. Yes. Wow, what the hell are they talking about with teen sex? Well, no, they that don't is talk so about strange. So the thing is, they don't talk about teen sex. What it says oh, is it's people who, who I could don't have seen want it. to expose ideas like this to teenagers who have, might not come to terms with the normal sexual functions. Yeah. Wow, that was, is interesting. Yeah, it was your perverse mind that went straight to teen sex. You just you heard yeah, sex you're, and you're teenagers right. and you put them together. So yeah. you're right. Wow. Interesting. Wow. What a weird critique of alien. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. All right. What do you got next? Moving on. Um, The violence in this movie. Scenes of bloody violence include people being stabbed and mutilated with knives, hooks, and other tools. There are sequences of strong horror and threat throughout, some of which involve a group of demons that have apparatus on their faces and bodies designed to inflict severe pain. There are scenes of strong sex and infrequent use of strong language, including the word fuck. I mean, oh, are you just trying to pitch a softball right down the middle of the plate here? What's going on? <laughs> Is, uh, okay, read, read the first half one more time, just to make sure. Uh, scenes of bloody violence, including yeah. people being stabbed, mutilated with uh-huh. knives and hooks and other tools. Yeah, yeah, There are sequences of strong horror and threat throughout, some of which involve a group of demons yeah. that have apparatus on their faces and bodies designed to inflict severe pain mm-hmm. and sex and infrequent strong right. language. So, I mean, it's Hellraiser, um, but is it, I, is it Hellraiser or Hellbound Hellraiser 2? I don't know, I guess. Uh, no, it is Hellraiser. You're correct. All right. You know, I didn't want to get too obscure with some of these because, uh, you know, I mean, some of the well, I think favorite movie. I yeah, know. I think the disconnect here might be that, uh, you know, we've talked about. Have you ever seen Hellraiser? Is this that's one that you still haven't watched? Right. Or you No, did, I've seen Hellraiser. Oh, OK, but you know, it's like I mean, I've seen that movie like 20 times. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is really easy, Eric. Um, so that's <laughs> this is my feedback is just like, you know, try harder, I guess. Um, OK. Oh, sure. Okay. okay. <laughs> he loves it when I do that. It's his favorite thing. <laughs> All right. Get, get to your novel. Okay. <laughs> uh, hey, it's not my fault. Uh, we interpreted the assignment different. It happens. It's okay. Um, <laughs> so this one was rated 15. Uh, so it has been deemed uh, acceptable for audiences 15 years and older. Um. These, uh, this is what they say about this movie that was rated 15 for strong violence, gore, sex references, and language. The strong violence escalates in the latter half of the film as characters are stabbed, shot, and gored. There are several scenes of personalized violence, often as a character tries to escape captors. The film also includes some gory surgical scenes, including the removal of the top of a skull exposing the brain. The gore is relatively arresting, but carries impact as it is a shock moment, and one of the lead characters is in danger. There are also some sex references, such as a character making a passing reference to murder victims 
who thought they would have to perform sexual acts. Hmm. Uh, is it Hannibal? It is not. It is not Hannibal, although I would say that that probably is one of the most noteworthy brain exposure uh, movies I can think of. However, I feel like if I was in the BBFC, I would probably mention not just uh, brain exposure, but also forcing someone to, to eat, eat it. their own brain. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, surgical procedure that... Uh, can, you, can you read the first paragraph again? Uh, strong violence escalates in the latter half of the film as characters are stabbed, shot, and gored. There are several scenes of personalized violence, often as a character tries to escape captors. The film also includes gory surgical scenes, including the removal of the top of a skull, exposing the brain. Um, mm, uh, uh, I don't even know if it's one of your... No, it's, it's not. Okay, all right. So I'm metagaming because I had to. I know mm. what letters you had. Um, <laughs> yeah, we 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 share letters of the alphabet. So I take A C E and so on. And Eric's got the the B D uh, Fs. Is it saw? It is not. Would you like a year? Yeah, let's get a year. The year is 2017. Oh wow! Okay. Oh man, 2017. Escaping captors, top half of a skull removed during a surgical. Escaping captors. That's what. This is fun. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I think it's fun um, for our listeners who might be trying to figure this out on their own. That's that's. You know, yeah, no, I, I think you're yeah. right. Um, fuck. Is there's no no other hint. 2017 that's what came out in 2017 that was just like very recently mm -hmm. <laughs> three years ago man <laughs> what a better time it was <laughs> fuck man i hate i hate giving up all right 2017. this is a movie i've seen yeah Uh, I don't know. Fuck. All right. Here's Fuck. another. Here's another line from the review. The film contains several scenes in which characters expressed racist opinions and endorse or celebrate racist myths and stereotypes. However, the film oh. itself does not endorse get discriminatory out? attitudes. Yes, it is. Get, get out. out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about the brain scene and get out. Yeah, holy shit. Okay. okay yeah, I wasn't sure how hard that one was. To me, the most interesting thing was that acknowledgement that the violence really is only in the latter part of the movie. That oh, there's the movie, that yeah. there's no violence towards the beginning. But yeah, that was a tricky one. Um, okay. This one might be tricky. I don't know because I don't know that. You, let's just. I'll just say. Cool. With the uh, this is rated eighteen for All violence. Right. Contains very strong sexualized gore. There are graphic depictions of bleeding genitals and severed penis after sex. Oh, there are sounds of dismemberment during sex. Oh, God. Sex scenes feature shots of thrusting and occasional breast nudity. There is a very strong and strong... Th there is very strong and strong language. One drug scene shows a woman smoking a bong. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, can you read the first, the first line of the review again? Yep. 
Um, there are graphic depictions of bleeding genitals and severed penis after sex. There are sounds of dismemberment during sex. Oh my god. Um fuck. I mean, there's a chance how confident are you that I've seen this? That's that's why I'm not sure that you've okay. seen this. Uh it's from I'll give you a year. No, no, not yet. Let me uh, for, for, let me make okay, okay. one guess. Sure. At a movie that I haven't seen that I truly don't know what happens in it but the way that people talk about it. Uh, I have to assume there's something like this. Uh, I'm going to guess audition. No. Okay. All right. Give me a year. Uh, year is 2008. 2008. Somebody's fucking shit gets dismembered. Uh, teeth. Ding, 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 ding. Teeth. All right. Is that, is that movie? Have good? you seen teeth? No, I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's good. I like it. All right. I like it. It's it's like like a little funny too, right? Yeah, it's like a dark comedy. Okay. It's, it, teeth, if you guys don't know, it's about a woman with v- vagina dentata, <laughs> like literally has teeth in her vagina that yeah. clamps down during sex. <laughs> cool stuff. <laughs> yeah, cool stuff. <laughs> uh, I just started watching. Um, I actually, uh, Ken and I watched the first two seasons of the TBS show, now HBO Max show, Search Party. Uh, oh yeah i've seen the first season of that yeah i really really like it um one of the things that we've started saying around the house um is the character drew who is like goes from being really hateable to kind of uh enjoyable uh he has sort of a catchphrase that he uses when people are like screaming at him where he just goes okay good stuff good stuff and like walks and like in an attempt to de-escalate just like being he's like yeah yeah good stuff okay okay uh and so i, I do that around the house sometimes um i like it all right uh this last one i have here man there is just a bevy of stuff in here so what to what to pick from so i'll just cherry pick some things um so there's a lot of discussion early on uh, that talks about uh, it says it is my view that this film is a social phenomenon rather than strictly a matter of censorship. It seems to be a, have been released in America at a particular moment when, for various reasons, there was a wide national interest in the occult. Um, it talks about social phenomenon for quite some time, um, and then uh, later on it goes on to mention. Um, It basically says, okay, here we go. Here's the quote. Uh, Given the recent concerns about the large numbers of children who managed to see 18 videos in the home with or without their permission, the board has been worried about the possibility that immature girls will be drawn to this particular video because the central character is a 12-year-old girl. We have too much evidence of teenagers being disturbed by it in the cinema, particularly girls, as well as advice from child psychologists that it could be seriously disturbing to young people of this age. Uh, I'm going to guess the exorcist. That is correct. This is hey the exorcist. Yeah. Don't show it to those girls. Who knows what kind of ideas no, those girls get. can't take it. No, they're going to be bedridden for a month after watching this movie. <laughs> you kidding me? You might lose them. Yeah. They're going to wither away. 
We can't have that. Well, all right. Well, that was uh, our experimental new segment, BB <laughs> fucking C, which maybe we'll uh, dust off in four years when we do another Hammer movie. But uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, that just about does it for this episode. Um, I mentioned it before, but I'll mention it again. You can write to us, leave us messages at uh, on Twitter, at KillstreakPod, on Instagram, at KillstreakPod, and on uh, email at KillstreakPod.gmail, at gmail.com. Jeez, Louise. <laughs> and um, also leave us a voicemail on our Anchor site, anchor.fm slash KillstreakPod. And we'll play it on the air. For sure we will. Yeah. Unless it's like, you know, horrible. <laughs> yeah. Don't say anything. Maybe we will. I don't know. Don't say anything that would uh, that would uh, ch- chase off our 12-year-old girl audience. <laughs> uh, we can't have any yeah. of that. Um, can't have that. Yeah. Next week, week three of the Drakoff, uh, we are be- going to be covering a movie that I've never seen and I think Eric has never seen. Um, this is the 1979 Dracula, directed by John Badham and starring Frank Langella as Count Dracula, uh, with yeah. appearances by Laurence Olivier and Donald Pleasance as well. Um, so this is one that I know very little about, uh, and I am very curious to see, if nothing else, how things progress as we just keep jumping forward 20, 25 years at a time. So, Yeah, I'm curious. Uh, this one... Appears to be just streaming in the tech, the uh, you know, for rent, yeah, uh, in all of your usual places, yeah. It doesn't look like a free streamer anywhere. Um, so if you want, you know, tune in and we'll let you know if it's worth watching or not, or, yeah, yeah, maybe we'll, check with us first, yeah. we'll see. Or if you're diehard, uh, dive in, watch it, watch it this week, and then check it out next Monday with us, yeah. And also, please leave us a, a review on iTunes. That helps us a lot. Yes. More than anything else, probably. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, if you like the podcast, the best thing you can do for us is rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We would appreciate it. Okay, folks. As always, you don't want Mr. Holmwood to think you're a crybaby, do you? <laughs>